Good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you for being part of today. Uh, my name is Paul. I am one of the pastors. It is terrific that you guys came out. If you're here for the very first time, I too would like to say welcome and thank you. And if you're looking for a church home or a place to go spiritually, you got questions about God, questions about faith, whatever, this is a good place. Um, people just like you in all sections, all walks of life and we are growing in our faith as well, and so, so thank you and, and welcome. I'm glad you're here. Hey, we are in a series we're calling When, and we are looking at some when stuff. For instance, we've looked at when I feel like I'm failing. We've talked about that. What does it mean when I feel like I'm failing and when I don't like myself very much? Well, this morning, we're going to spend some time talking about when my relationships are falling apart. We're going to talk about the relationships that we have and what happens when they begin to crumble and fall apart. Now, Thomas Vitorka is a life coach. People spend a lot of money going to him to help have him help them in their relationships and in their life. And he wrote a blog on why your relationships keep failing. Blog on this one on, on why your relationships keep failing. And he gives these reasons. People spend a lot of money for this. First of all, number one, the first one reason is your relationships keep failing. You're boring. How about that? <laughs> you're boring person. Number two, the second one is you have bad habits. How about that? So. And the third reason your relationships keep failing is you're weird. You're, you're a weirdo. That is a Walmart person, just to let you know. So all friends of Walmart. People spend a lot of money to pay this guy to tell them those kinds of things. Now, now there is really nothing much better than a relationship or friendship going right. Isn't that true? I mean, when your relationships, your friendships are going right, they're going well, man, life is good. I mean, you know, walking on sunshine, everything seems to be, just be fine. Everything is happy and you're relating well and there's connection and friendship and companionship. You complete me, yuck, you know, that is that, that part of it as well. And, and God made them and they really are terrific. On the other hand, you know, nothing is worse than when your relationships or your friendships are going sour when they're just simply not working in the way they should. In fact, probably one of the biggest stressors in your life is your relationships, is the connections that aren't happening or things that aren't going the way that they should be. And they can be huge disappointments. An in-law, um, kids at school, how your marriage is working out or not, not working out. At work, it's probably not so much the workload as it is the what? It's the people. You know, it's the people you work with. It's like, oh man, if this only person would, would, we could get along. Or it's your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your parent or even your kid. Well, we, we want to talk about that this week. Now, next week we're going to begin a whole new series we're calling Hiding from Love. And we're going to get a little bit deeper on maybe some of the things that are in our own lives that, that disallow us from opening up to other people. But today we want to spend time talking about when my relationships are falling apart and what we can do about that. So would you take a second? Can we pray? Just ask for this time. God, thank you for um, this situation and, and I, I, this time, and I do pray for our, um, these moments we have now that you would lead us, lead me, give me the right words to share in Christ's name. Amen. I just got back from a backpacking trip um, in Idaho, and after being in the backwoods, you know, when you're back there, you have cravings, you know, when you're, when you're just eating nothing but rolled oats or whatever it is you eat back there. And one craving I always have whenever I'm in the backcountry is ice cream. 
Okay, don't know why, but it's ice cream. Ice cream is just something that I can't wait to get back to. And so my habit is the first stop I always make when I get back into civilization is to get ice cream. And so we get out of the backcountry, and we're in this tiny, tiny little town in, in Idaho, and we see a sign that says what? Ice cream. You see a sign that says ice cream. Good. So, 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 so we go into a store, and, 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 and there's one guy there, one guy there behind the counter, and I see camping supplies, and I see some other sundry items, but I don't see any ice cream. And so I said to the guy, uh, ice cream? And he said, oh, that's next door. That's next door. So we walked out, we walked out of the little store and went right, right next, next door, and, and there's nobody there. So I, ding, you know, ring that little bell that's there. Ding, you know, ring, ring that little, 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 little bell. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the same guy comes out from behind the counter. <laughs> the same guy. He's putting on a white apron, you know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, you the ice cream guy too, you know? And I was honestly afraid to get gas because it might be the same guy, you know, or it might be the sheriff as well as the mayor and the judge. And anyway, um, it's like, it's like, what's the population of this town? Is it like one? You know, is this all the people in this, this town? Is it one? Uh, but that's really never the case. God never intended us to live in a town with population one, does he? Always there should be two or should be three. We were never intended. We weren't created. We weren't made to live alone. We just, we just simply weren't. And so what God did is, in fact, he said early on in the Bible, it's not good for us to be alone. Not good. So he created somebody else for man. And we have marriage established out of that because we weren't created to be alone. And then families come out of that because we weren't created to be alone. And, and friendships were created out of that you know, because we weren't made to be alone. And, 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 and then we have this thing that Jesus established, and he calls it a church family. And he says, man, this is like my, my body. It's like a whole new family here because we were never intended or created to live this life alone. And so we were made to have interaction and connection with other people. And they're good. I mean, relationships are really good. And then something happens. Someone gets boring or somebody, somebody has bad habits or somebody gets a little bit what? Weird. You know, someone gets weird or they hurt you or they change you change, or there becomes an unhealthy dependency or oversensitivity, or they, they do something and you just can't forget it. You, you, you know that? I mean, you experience that kind of stuff. You know, that which seemed so good all of a sudden turned out to be so good, and now it's so bad. You know, somebody said the ideal then becomes an ordeal, you know, and then after the ordeal, you want to what? You want a new deal, you know? I just want this whole thing to turn around. I want something, something entirely different. C.S. Lewis said this, Man is a creature ill-adapted to this universe because he's made himself so by the abuse of his free will. You follow that? Because of the abuse of our own free will, we are now ill-adapted in this whole relational problem. We have this free will you got it, and I got it, and it causes all kinds of issues to come up between each other. So the Bible says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So then we have battle over it. My stubborn self-will, your stubborn self, self-will, and there's just simply conflict now between. And relationships begin to crumble and fall apart. 
And so scripture now comes and tells us, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Okay, if it's possible, live at peace with everyone. Well, guess what? This person's just impossible. Therefore, I'm off the hook. Isn't that great? You know, they're an impossible person. If it's possible, I, can, I, can, I can't do it. So some people are just impossible, so good. But we're not done yet. Because the Bible says this. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Now I got to be involved in this whole thing. That's where we got to go. Because a lot of times what happens in this whole relational thing is I'll do my 50% as long as you do your what? 50%. And then we'll meet in the middle and then everything's okay. Now there's lots of problems with that. First of all, I always think that I'm doing my 50% and I never think you're doing your 50% and therefore forget it. And there's always a gap here. And guess what? You think you're doing your 50%, but I'm not doing my 50%. And so there's a gap there. All of a sudden we find here that it's not 50% and 50%. He has to add that depends upon you part. God knows we give up way too early in this kind of thing. And what this verse says is the ball is always in your court. It's always, always up to me. Always in my court. It's my obligation to, let it, to make it happen. I cannot just simply you know, live and then let it die. It doesn't work that way. I have, and always go into this your relationship... I have the largest share and I have the biggest share in recreating the peace and keeping the relationship from failing. It's always upon us. Always upon me. Always upon me. I have the biggest share in, in this. And so for the first thing we're talking about, and if you're into note-taking, act as if it's up to me. I have to act as if this whole thing is, is up to me. Because this is what the Bible says. As far as it depends upon you. And that's a far, far distant to travel. Can't I just let it go? No. I was on the phone um, this past week, past week with somebody who was just now unloading on somebody else and just going on and on and on and on about a, a, a Facebook post that this person had made. And they wanted to take it down. They don't want to do it, you know, because they felt justified in doing it. And so, you know, where that kind of stuff goes, you know, why don't you take down that post? No, I'm not going to. And blah, 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 blah. And so, and, and, and here's the response, okay? And, and listen for the 50%. I'm willing to forgive as long as they, what? Apologize. But until they apologize, I'm not going to forgive. Don't tell me if you've ever said that before. But that's what's going on. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to do my 50%. I'll do my 50%. But first, they've got to do theirs first. Jesus says this, a new command I give you. You love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And all of a sudden, the model for loving is Christ himself, who didn't do the 50% rule, didn't play that game, and didn't go down that road. He said, I'm going to love you 100%, 100%, no matter what you've done. I'm going to love you all the way through. Second thing, second thing, you, you can write down if you want, do it. Just do it, okay? Yeah, I know, I stole it from Nike, but so what, Okay. There, are, there are, are some verses in the Bible um, um, that are just great, fantastic. You know, you read them and you underline them, you know, or you highlight them. You know, those verses are just really awesome. And, oh, they speak to me and we post them on Facebook or we put them on social media and we put this really beautiful background behind them and we write it in all flowery letter and it's, and it's really, really, really good. Or some people, you go into their house and they'll have these things embroidered on their pillows. You know, it's that kind of a verse. It's just really awesome. And, and, and it's like, wow, these these 
these are great. So there are some that hardly stand out. You know, some that just, eh, eh, you read through it, it's like you just blow right through them when, when you're reading, you know, those kinds of verses. Where if I were to quote it to you, say, I think I remember this one, but so, so what? Here's one of those, okay? Philippians 4.2, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Seneca to get along with each other in the Lord. Now, how skippable is that one, huh? I mean, how skippable is that one? Big deal. You know, what's this going on? That, um, you'd never put that one on a pillow, I'll tell you that. You know, no one posts that on Facebook. But let's look at it for a second, okay? Okay, let, let's just kind of understand this verse. Obviously, there's two women in, in this church, in this place. One is named Yodia, and one is named Syntyche. And obviously, they don't what? They don't get along, okay? It's right there. They don't, they, they don't get along very, very well, okay? Two women in a church, they're at odds. They don't get along very well at all. And, 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 and I don't know why. Maybe Yodia, you know, messed up on the nursery scheduling, you know? Who knows? And Seneca got really ticked at that. Or maybe both Yodia and Seneca brought tuna casserole to the church potluck, and one was better than the other. And they got miffed about that, you know, you know? Who knows? We don't know. All we know is there's an issue between these two. Should we even really care? Well, obviously, the issue is big enough, believe it or not, to make the Bible. You know, it's in the Bible. Now, not the issue. The issue didn't make the Bible. The people did. The people did. God cared enough about it that their names, Yodia and Syndike, are forever there as the women who what? Couldn't get along. Now, now, um, there are two burning questions I have, okay? And you have them too, I'm sure. Two questions that just rise to my mind that are just driving me crazy. First question is this. Who names their kid Yodi and Seneca? <laughs> Why would you do that to a little baby? You know, hi, Yodi. Yeah. You know. The second is what Paul says. How can they just get along? I mean, he just tosses it out there. Get along. Just, 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 just get along. I mean, what are you talking about, Paul? It's not that easy. Don't you understand social dynamics? I mean, she said this, and then she did that, and then she did this because she said that, and then she responded by doing this, and if she only knew this, then she should really respond by this way, but she needs to apologize first. Paul, don't you understand how complicated this thing is? And Paul said this, just what? Just get along. Just get along. Just get along with each other. And what pops me about this whole thing is that there's an assumption that it should just happen. Just make it happen. That this big, huge thing, you know, that they've got going between each other, that's keeping them apart, is actually something that's pretty small and is actually something that's easily solvable. And there's something else here. He doesn't give them a bunch of fancy formulas. He doesn't give them 12 ways to make your relationship better or huge, deep, psychoanalytical you know, um, analyses. What's implied here, and, and this is kind of the heart of what I want to share, what's implied here is I have all the stuff I need to get this relationship headed in the right direction. Okay? What's implied here is that you have everything you need to get your relationship problem headed in the right direction. It's all there. All the raw materials. Listen to this verse. Now as to the love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are what? 
taught by God to love one another. I mean, you don't really need all kinds of instructions. You're taught by God. Do you know God? Do you know how much God loves you? You know, have you experienced the love of God in your life? Well, if you have, then you're already taught by God to love one another. It's not some massive, horatious, serpentine course to get there. You're taught by God. Yodia, Sinaki, you know what to do. Just what? Just do it. You've got to love this one. And, and as I read this one, familiar passage, this is what God places in your life when you become a follower of Christ. And listen to how many of these qualities are relation-building qualities. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, meaning you don't have to take a training course on it. It's produced. It comes in you. This is what the Holy Spirit produces. Love, joy, peace. Here it is. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Holy Spirit produces those things in you. It's there. It's that kind of, it's that kind of fruit. And so the Bible says this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, remember, Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. First part, make allowances for each other's faults. Leave margin there. They're going to screw up. So understand that. They're not perfect. And guess what? They're going to make allowance for your faults too because you're not perfect as well. But when they do make that mess up, you forgive. And you know exactly everything that's involved in forgiving because Jesus forgave you. If anyone should be experts on forgiveness, it should be Christ followers. I mean, I mean, we got it down. We have it down. Because we've experienced it and we've gone through it. So um, a while ago, about a year or so ago, I got this notice about a get-together for a bunch of people. From, it's like from forever ago, you know, a reunion. And it's a reunion of kids from a youth group. Um, I'm way back at the church I was at in Southern California. And I did youth ministry back then. I worked with youth back then. And they wanted to get the kids and some of the leaders together again for a, re- a reunion. Now, this was a long time ago, you know. So they invited me, Moses, Abraham, you know, all the, all the heroes of the faith there. And, and, and one of the people invited was a pastor. And, 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 and he was a pastor that he was a youth pastor back there at that church in Southern California. And we became really close. I mean, really close. I love this guy. And, 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 and um, he went from the Southern California church to a church in Florida, South Florida. And when he, when he went, um, he asked me to come join him there. We were that close. And so I went there and, and, I, and, I, and I joined him there as well. And church was real bad. I mean, it was a bad church, just, you know, rotten all the way through and, and, and all that. I mean, it was. It was one of those churches that was just really goofed up. And, and it took a toll on this pastor. I mean, just took a toll, an emotional toll on him, okay? Um, horrible. And, and, and he became um, emotionally unhealthy. And, 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 you know, all kinds of weird stuff was going on, kind of a codependent relationship formed. And, and, and I'm always a young guy, you know, young, and I'm trying to watch my, my mentor, you know, kind of fall apart and then lean on me for all kinds of decisions, became his emotional crutch. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't want to be involved in this. You know, this is, this is, this is really crazy. became paranoid about a lot of stuff and all this. And, 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 and finally, that's what just 
you know, we kind of said, I, I got to get out of here, you know, because this is not going to be good. I'm friends. I love this guy, but I, I got to go. And so we came back out here to California. I haven't seen him in 30 years. Okay. And, and, and he was invited too. And I, and I told Lisa, I said, hey, man, I'm not sure I want to see him again. You know, I'm not sure I want to relive that kind of stuff. You've had those kinds of things, those kind of relationships. I don't know. I just, I'm just not sure I want to go there again. In fact, I remember thinking, if I don't see him till heaven, I'm good. I'm good, okay? You know, in heaven, we'll all be healed and whole and all that kind of stuff, so everything will be fine, you know, so, 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 so not a big deal. been 30 years, and I just didn't want to go there. And it's, it's kind of like I had the whole issue in this little cupboard locked up, you know, locked up. And I didn't want to go into that cupboard and look at it. I just locked it up. It's going to stay there. It's, it's not a very big cupboard. It doesn't take a whole lot of part of my life. It's just, it's just simply there. I didn't want to go in there in my head or in my heart, just, just too much hurt and too much stuff I'd really have to deal with. And, and, and I thought, you know, I'm thinking kind of through this one, you know, it's like, because you could ignore those kinds of things. They're just kind of there, kind of there. And I thought, you know, probably, Paul, you should, you should, you should just forgive the guy and, and get on with life. You know, you should just, you know, forgive and get on with life. And it's really hard to explain the little skirmish that went on in my head. And, and you may have experienced it, too, when you have to forgive somebody, you know, particularly when it's been a long time and you're not having to deal with them face-to-face all the time. Um, you have to kind of go back into your life and into your world and kind of start unlocking that little cupboard and getting into it and going through it. And, and it was weird. It's like I didn't want to. I didn't even want to approach it. I just didn't even want to deal with it. And, 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 and I thought, well, you know, if I hold on to it, I can still complain about it. You know, I still got that to complain about, you know, but that wasn't doing me any good. And um, somehow I felt like I had some sense of control if I didn't forgive. And that's an issue on unforgiveness, and someday we'll, we'll approach that one as well. But unforgiveness gives you a sense of control, a lousy sense of control, but there's a sense of control there. As long as I have that unforgiveness, I can keep him in that cover and that issue locked away. Um, but I thought, no, man, it's probably just time to deal with this one. And so I thought, well, what will it take to forgive? What's it going to take to forgive? What would it take? And what would it take to forgive this issue? Well, um, again, the whole issue that the Bible says, remember how much Christ has forgiven you? You don't remember that? So, so, so that, that doesn't take much time. So I worked on the forgiveness thing. You know how long it took to forgive? You know how long it took me? 20 seconds is being generous. Okay, a whole lot less than that, maybe 10, you know? How long does it take to forgive? How long does it take to forgive to have a change of heart towards a person like that? You know, once you remember how much you've sinned against Christ and how much you've sinned against God and Jesus Christ poured out his blood for you and you realize that the amount of debt I owe God was massive and he paid it, you love me just the same. And however that person how much has hurt me or hurt you is tiny. 20 seconds, maybe, at the most. Here's that verse. Make allowance for each other's faults. He's got faults. I got that. I got faults. Give me the wrong set of circumstances. If you can push my buttons in a certain order, guess what? I'm crazy at you. You, you know? You push my buttons in a certain set of sequences in a certain set of order. I'm not necessarily a very good person. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember? 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 The Lord forgave you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. So you remember. 
Remember that he's forgiven you for a heck of a lot more than anyone's ever done to you. And then you can say, I'm done here. I'm done here. So instead of being an unforgiving victim, I want to just be a person trying to be like Christ in all of this. And if I see him again, will I have to relive all these things? No. It's a different me now. It's a forgiving me. You see how things have changed? Talk about this quote from C.S. Lewis. Man, man is a creature ill-adapted to this universe because he's made himself so by the abuse of his free will. I agree with that statement all the way through. We are ill-adapted for relationships. I, I completely agree with this one. We're not done yet, and this is the cool part of it. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old is gone, new has come. We're recreated. This is the whole recreation thing, and that's why Jesus says it's like being completely made new all the way through. Now, do we sometimes need therapists and counselors? Of course we do. Sometimes we need people to disciple us and remind us and encourage us and stand alongside us as we go through this. It's not always as easy as that. I I get that. There's complications involved. I, I understand it, and we need resources and conferences and all that kind of stuff. We are complicated creatures, and relationships are complicated things. We have a new nature, one that is very well adapted to this universe, one changed by God and has all the raw materials that's needed to get this thing moving, to start moving it towards wholeness and healing. And so when somebody says, hey, I urge you to get along, you know, when God is saying to you, look, just get along, your response is just like that, and the response is what? Yep. Just like that. There's a great verse in Scripture. You're familiar with it probably. It's also in Philippians too. And as I read it, um, I'm going to invite you to just think about the relationships that you have. And maybe there's a, a stuck one right now. And I just want the words of Scripture to kind of work through your soul and your spirit and let God speak to you about that person Just see where it goes. And then we're going to provide an opportunity to just work it through a little bit more. Philippians says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not only to your own interests, also to the interests of others. Your attitude, it should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We are um, going to take that which symbolizes that which makes us new. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. The elements that are here, the bread symbolizes 
the body of Christ, Jesus came for you. He came down, and the cup symbolizes his blood. He died for you. And the Bible would say this in, a, in talking about taking the Lord's Supper like this. It would say, don't take it in an unworthy manner. And sometimes we think the unworthy manner is, oh man, I've got all this sin. We all got all this sin. What it's talking about is if in your fellowship, in your relationship, you're harboring unforgiveness, division, anger, hatred, get that taken care of before you take. Because this is what brings us together. It keeps us apart. Keeps brings us together. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide an opportunity just in quietness for you to work through inventory relationships. And in these moments, if you need to forgive, forgive. If you need to love, love. If you need to text somebody, text somebody. And then what we're going to do is after I pray, we're going to play some music and feel free to come forward, take the elements or in the back and, and then go back to your seat and hold on to them and we will um, take together as a sign of unity as a church family. Let's pray for a moment. Maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing someone's name to mind. You have everything you need to forgive them. You do. You really do. You really, really, really do. Just remember how much Jesus has forgiven you. So forgive. Let them go. Let it go. Feel the love that God's giving you for them. Maybe it's you. Maybe you feel like your sin has created such a wall around you that nothing can get through. God can't get through. He can. He can reach you with his love and give you a sense of meaning and value and purpose. There's always hope as long as God is there. There's always hope. And you need to hear that this morning. Father, um, we're going to sing about how good you are to us. And um, we thank you that we can. And the love and forgiveness that we have received, let us give. Thank you in Jesus' name.